0: Revelation chapter 22, verse 20 says, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Second to the last chapter in our Bible, verse in our Bible. Came across a station this week. It's a secular station. Came across a secular station about midweek, and they are playing Christmas songs already. My initial response was, seriously, we haven't even got to the 15th of November. But I thought they were, from what they first said, they're going to play them for about an hour. And they seem to be playing them continuously. But you know what, friends? Some of them are kind of cheesy. But I'm finding those Christmas songs are meaning something to me. Because if you're paying attention to what's going on in the world around us, it is an unbelievably, at times overwhelmingly sad depiction of man's brokenness. I mean, to see what, to hear Trent speak about what he has, what he has seen, and these, these, these little kids who have nothing, and, and people who, because of a belief in something called karma, say, yeah, you're supposed to ignore them. That's a broken, dark, deceived system that would do that to a child. To hear about the bomb in Paris. What kind of hatred, what kind of demonic hatred fills somebody's heart to try and kill as many innocent people as possible? Came across an article, and I'm telling you the truth. I literally wept to read of terrorists who beheaded a nine-year-old girl. What could possess somebody to behead a nine-year-old girl? That is the darkness in this world. And the music of Christmas brings a message of love and a message of peace and a message of hope. I've needed it this week. So I've been listening. Because as far as I'm concerned, this last verse, even so, come Lord Jesus, cannot happen soon enough. We've been looking at the end times. And Paul, if you'll bring that up, You'll notice that we've. Oh, did you see that? I just want to show you that, okay? And if you don't, if you can't see that, if you're red, green, colorblind, here, I have a red one for you, too. <laughs> Thanks to Brent Albers, I have, I have pointers that actually work. But where we have been up until now is we've been looking in Revelation chapter 20 at this thing called the millennium, a thousand year reign of Jesus Christ. And what I want to note, for those of you who like to fill in your notes, the era of the millennium precedes the arrival of the eternal state. After the millennium is going to be introduced to us in Revelation chapters 21 and 22, which we have noted here, the eternal state. And then things go on from there. And that's what we want to look at for the time that we have this morning To remind you about the era of the millennium, which of course precedes this, it's that time when Christ will reign upon the earth for a thousand years. He will reign from Jerusalem. He will reign in perfect righteousness, and every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to him. There will be none who can defeat him, none who can displace him. At the end of that time, Satan is allowed the opportunity. To be released from the bottomless pit for one singular purpose, to deceive the nations one last time. I believe it's a test for man. I tried to point this out last week. You know, during all of the time up until the millennium, all of this time that has been here, from here all the way to here, man could make the complaint that, well, we've been deceived by the evil one. We have an excuse and then we get to the millennium, and Satan is not allowed for a thousand years to deceive anyone. At the end of the thousand years, he's, he is allowed one last chance, and immediately there are those who follow and turn on Christ. There are those who follow, turn on Christ. They create a, a war environment where they're going to come against Jerusalem, and God just destroys them as a final judgment or as an act of judgment, I should say. So that this excuse, well, the devil made me do it, is, it's nothing. This d- defines what's in the heart of man, that the heart of man is broken and fallen. And and the kinds of things that, we have, that we've seen here, these children, the poverty that, that Trent talked about, um, that kind of thing is because man's heart is darkened. And it's an internal issue that man has, and that's why not only... Uh, uh, does he need Christ to save him from his own condemnation? He needs Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit to transform, to regenerate him into something new. Every one of us needs that. And in Revelation chapter 20, 11, I really would tie it in more to the end of the, of the millennial time. We also have the great white throne judgment, which we're not going to take any time to look at. And then we move from there and we come to Revelation Chapter 21, beginning in verse 5. And here we now have the what I will call the arrival of the eternal state. So for these last two chapters in Revelation, we're getting a sense as to what this eternal state is going to be like. And we just want to highlight a few things from them. Now I saw, Revelation 21, verse 1. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And as the eternal state comes, as it is ushered in, we see a number of things just to highlight. First of all, you see the restoration of the world. The heavens and the earth have passed away. It's a new heaven. It's a new earth. This this environment that we alone have known. We don't understand how broken it is. Trent mentioned this. The, the, these kids, they don't know they're they don't know they're in poverty because they don't know anything else. We don't understand anything other than we've lived in a broken world our whole life. And what is it going to be like when this world comes is made anew? when there's a new heaven, a new earth, where death and the curse are no longer at play. And we're going to then get a sense as to how much we have been missing for the entire history of mankind because this world that was subject to the vanity of sin and the effects of death uh, has just always been here, darkened as it is, and the impoverishment that we live in will be gone. And there'll be a new heaven and a new earth That's going to be magnificent. There will be the new Jerusalem. And the rest of the chapter does a lot of explaining about what the new Jerusalem is. We don't have time to look at it. It's a magnificent depiction of this this city that comes down from heaven. And it's going to have its own place. And it's going to be a place of marvelous blessing and wonder. And so uh, there's the new Jerusalem because, of course, Jerusalem has been under attack. Jerusalem is in the news now. I'm reading stuff just this past week about Jerusalem, about the Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is on on the Temple Mount. And and there's going to be a battle over that area, friends. You might as well just understand that now. That what is the third most holy site to the Muslim world is the place where the temple should be built. There's a conflict that is brewing over Jerusalem. But the new Jerusalem will come in all the fullness and richness and blessing. And then there's going to be a relationship with God that is going to be restored. For behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. This relationship with God that we, we seek, we sing about, we strive to understand it, but we do so what? With As Corinthians says, our, with, with darkened minds. We see now in a mirror darkly, but then face to face, and that face to face revelation, that face to face restoration, where we now are in God's presence, and we can boldly come to His throne well, we can approach him again. Remember what it was like in the garden. Remember God went, after they sinned, God went looking for Adam in the cool of the day. Adam, where are you? And the relationship that was severed then between God and mankind is now going to be restored because of the magnificent, complete absolutely satisfying work of Jesus Christ which we has accomplished and there will no longer be a breakdown between God and men and he will dwell among men and he will dwell there directly he dwelled among mankind where in the Old Testament Exodus chapter 25 God instructed them to make a tabernacle that he might dwell with them but that dwelling was done through a priesthood yes God's presence was known But the average person didn't go into the presence of God. They were represented first by a sacrifice brought to the door. And then the priests carried their stuff in. And ultimately, only the high priest could go to the Holy of Holies where God said He would meet with them. So yes, God was really dwelling with them and manifesting Himself. But it was through this priesthood. it was not as it will be here. When he dwells among men and we will hear him and we will speak with him and we will see the magnificence of his being. And then there's the restoration simply of what I would call goodness. You remember when God created his world, remember what he said? And it was good and it was good and it was good. That repeated refrain until he was finished and he looked upon everything and he said it was very good. And then the fall came and it all got destroyed. It all got marred. Chapter four or chapter twenty one, verse four says, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And now God will look at his creation again and say, It is good. It is as I had intended it from the beginning. Oh my friends, when I see the pain in a world around us, I just cry out in my spirit for that goodness. I need the hope of that goodness that one day it will be accessible not only to me but to all. To all those innocent little children who have been brutalized in this darkened world. Chapter 22. And we're jumping over a lot of things. Chapter 22, beginning in verse 1 yet again. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face. His name shall be on their foreheads. His name, not the name of the evil one, not 666. His name will be on their foreheads. They will be under His authority. They will gladly yield to, to His presence in their life. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever in this magnificent reality of what will be ours and what we will experience with the saints of all of the history of mankind, all of the redeemed will now be gathering together and be experiencing these kinds of things where the curse has been lifted and the effects of sin can no longer brutalize mankind and innocent children. And did you notice what was there? The tree of life. The tree of life. There is access again to the tree of life. Do you remember when we last saw it? All the way back in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve sinned and God had to separate them from the tree of life lest they take eat of it and live forever in a fallen state. And it's back and we will partake of its magnificence. Verse 12, And behold, I am coming quickly. My reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a lie. And this, there is this break. This eternal break that all those who have chosen not to allow Jesus Christ to rule over them, who have said, I will not bow my knee, I will not acknowledge my need for a Savior, I will embrace my own worldview, my own willful way, I refuse to receive Him, I refuse to admit my need, they will be separated out. And those who have embraced Him and have said humbly, before the eternal creator God Lord I need you <laughs> they have said humbly I'm just I'm just a broken sinner and I need help they will be in his presence and do you catch the names friends as we've gone through this study we have tried to take a little bit of time to touch to touch, to touch on the names used of God and here particularly we see this the one who is coming the Alpha and Omega beginning And end, first and last. You probably know that alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet and omega is the last letter. So three times, there's this repetition again, three times we have this indication that this one, this Lord Jesus Christ who is coming, he is from beginning to end. What did John say in his gospel? In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. He is eternal. He is the second person of the Trinity. We've studied this in this series, friends. I just want you to see that as we come now to the summation of all things, this eternality of his presence and of his person is now brought to the forefront again. This is the one who is coming, the one who was there at the time of creation, the one who hung on the cross for us, the one who came in victory in Revelation chapter 19, and and with the sharp sword that goes from his mouth he destroys the nations, the one who sat upon the throne, the one who judged, once Satan was let loose for that last deception, that one from beginning to end, the same today, yesterday, and forever. The Lord Jesus Christ is going to come and we are going to be in his presence and all of the nonsense that discourages us in the course of this past week and month and year is going to be done and we are going to be an eternity with him. This is why we're saying this morning, this is why it's appropriate we're saying this morning, you are the everlasting God, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the first and the last. Absolutely. The eternality of this triune God who is ours to worship and to be in fellowship with. And as where we began, verse 20, even so, come, Lord Jesus. I don't know about you, friends, but I'll tell you what. My heart longs for the return of Jesus Christ because it is the only hope that I can offer to anyone is that God is going to set this world straight one day and if we have received his means of escaping the death and corruption of this world through the person of Jesus Christ, we will share and celebrate in all of this magnificent good- goodness. But friends, I've got to warn you, there is a battle There is a battle to keep us from understanding this truth. You see that battle again, as Trent Trent mentioned, karma, a means of saying, yeah, well, you deserve what you got. We all deserve death and destruction, friends. It's called grace that God reaches out to us with because none of us could ever earn what we need. We got to accept and understand that need. Many of you have noticed I'm wearing glasses today. All right? Uh, Earlier in the week, I actually called my optometrist. I've just, I'd just been to him recently, and they gave you the trial pair, and then you call them up, and you set up a fitting to make sure it's working. After you've worn them a couple of weeks, I called him. I said, I have no idea. I lost the right contact. No idea where it is. And um, can you send me another one? And when I get it, I'll wear it, and we'll put them in. They're like, sure. Yeah, no, this happens, okay. But I'd also noticed during the course of this week that in my left eye, there's an irritation. And, you know, sometimes you ever wake up in the morning, there's, if you're, like, fighting a cold or something, you got a little something crusty there. So there was a little something in my eye every morning, kind of crusty. And, uh, but that's just how it was. But I also couldn't get my focus just right. Well, you probably guessed it. This morning, I'm like, something is wrong here, okay? I've had a contact in my left eye since, I don't know, last Sunday. I don't know when it's been in there. And I'm thinking my right eye. Okay, But what I want you to get is also in my left eye was that little crustiness. And I thought that was the irritation. And I'm feeling it's like, oh, that stuff there, that morning stuff. And it's confusing me as to why I can't see right and to what the problem is. Because I can see there's light coming through, but I can't see clearly. Friends, I thought, isn't this what the evil one does? He lets us see, but he doesn't let us see clearly. And he gives us, a, he gives us something like that little crustiness in my eye to make me think, well, it's probably okay. It's probably something else, and he gives us a reason to dismiss why we can't see clearly. So first, he doesn't let us see clearly, and then he gives us an excuse why it's not necessary to see clearly, or or what something else is. But he never lets us come to the reality that you got a problem right there in your eye. You got a contact, and you don't even know, and it's throwing off your vision. Oh, friends, he will do whatever he can to throw off our vision. But let me tell you the reality of the vision. It's right here. We just read it. Jesus Christ is coming back and he's going to set this world in order and sin will not reign again after that point. Sin will not have a stronghold. But the only hope we have is if we have embraced what he has done for us. It is the only solution in all of scripture. The only solution given in all of what God has revealed is Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. We got nothing else to offer each other nothing else. But boy, when we have it, we have everything. And a magnificent day is coming. And I, I long to think of what day will be like, as Trent mentioned. There's believers in that, in that slum city. There are believers in there. What is it going to be like for those believing children who've known nothing other than this abject poverty to one day be in the presence of jesus christ and all of that glory how magnificent will that be what a wonderful hope it is and why we must continue to share this message with the world that is in darkness father thank you for the magnificent hope that is ours in jesus christ thank you for an upcoming christmas season lord i know i need i need that hope i need to be reminded of the love and the grace that you have poured out of the reality that is ours in Christ. Oh, Father, we look to you again. We call upon you. We just thank you for how magnificently you have worked in our lives, and we pray you make us able stewards of your word that we might communicate it to others and respond, Father, as you prompt us to speak in this upcoming Christmas season, to speak openly and and clearly of the magnificence of who Jesus Christ is and what he has done on our behalf. We ask it in his precious name. Amen.